this morning we continue to ask that question. What's your story? Now this question is not just one of those basic getting to know you questions that we ask of a new coworker or maybe when we're on a blind date. Rather, this question is looking to get at something a little deeper, to dig in a little more closely to who we are. You see, to ask someone, what's your story, is another way of asking, what is it that you believe? That's a question that that we, as people of faith, are asked almost every day in some way, shape, or form. What is it that you believe as as a follower of Christ? What does that even mean? And so we're left with the choice of how do we answer that question of what is it that we believe. We could give off a a bulleted list of, well, these are the good things and these are the bad things, and there we go. We could recite a a great creed or, or a prayer. We could even give some grand theological treatise about God as Trinity and And Jesus and his atoning death and the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the counselor, the comforter. And all those ways of answering would would be good and true. But I'm afraid that they might shut down a conversation rather than open one up. Right? When we're asked, what is it that you believe I think what people really want to know is, why is it that you live the way you do? How is it that that this belief you have, this faith you have, has changed you, has, has transformed your life? And so to answer the question of what do you believe, we have begun asking, what's your story? What is your story of of God and your relationship with God? Last week, we started with with stories of welcome and hospitality. We told stories of how we have been welcomed by Christ. Stories of how we have welcomed Christ into our lives and stories of how we have welcomed others into our lives and invited them to this life with Christ. But we were also reminded that our stories are not always the most successful stories. And so we were inspired by Mary and Martha to share the stories of when we have failed to welcome or when we have offered welcome with less than stellar motives. Because those are both our stories. And good or bad, our stories speak to our faith and share with the world how we continue on this journey. Some days a celebration, some days a struggle. But it is our journey with God. This morning we turn to a different kind of story. It is a story filled with, with pain and with betrayal. It's a story of lavish living and wallowing with the pigs. It is a story of of 
a father's loss, an angry brother, and a selfish son. If you didn't know it was from the Bible, you might guess it was the latest plot line in Days of Our Lives or Young and the Restless. Something with Bo and Hope and Stefano and Marlena. That was the last time I watched Days of Our Lives for any soap opera fans. But no, this is that parable of Jesus. With a lot of different names, the, the prodigal son, the parable of the, the two sons, the parable of the lost son, the, the parable of the loving father. And really, the name that we give it points towards how we're going to interpret it. And so this morning, as we prepare to look to Luke chapter 15, I invite you to hear this, this parable of Jesus, as simply a story of forgiveness. Let's read together from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus said, A certain man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Then the father divided his estate between them. Soon afterward, the younger son gathered everything together and took a trip to a land far away. There he wasted his wealth through extravagant living. When he had used up his resources, a severe food shortage arose in that country and he began to be in need. He hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to eat his fill from what the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food, but I'm starving to death? I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Take me as one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion. His father ran to him, hugged him, and kissed him. Then his son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Fetch the fattened calf and slaughter it. We must celebrate with feasting. Because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, this is a, a familiar story for us, right? It's one that's taught in the, in the rooms of children's Sunday school. It's acted out at summer vacation Bible school. We've seen it depicted in, in art and in sculpture. It's sung about in songs and, and seen even in movies. And so because of that, because we're so familiar with it, it, it kind of starts to lose a bit of its power. Barbara Brown Taylor, a great Christian author, writes that the story has become limp. Limp from, from too much handling. We just know it so well and so we tend to, to tune out. We know what's going to happen. 
And so this morning, I have a challenge for you to try your best to hear it with new ears and to see it with new eyes. That this morning, we are going to ask the son who ran away to a new life, what is it that you believe? And we're going to ask a father who felt the pain and heartache of a son who left. What is it that you believe? So we start with the son. We say, dear son, what is it you believe? And he looks at us and says, well, let me tell you a story. You see, I grew up in a very loving family. Mother and father who cared for me, did everything that they could for me. I was the younger of, of two sons. My brother and I, we had a kind of on-again, off-again relationship. He was your typical older brother, always doing what was expected of him, never breaking the rules, never causing a fuss. You know the type. We didn't exactly see life the same way. And as I, as I grew up, I began to feel this hunger within me. This hunger that said, something is missing in my life. And you know, I'm not one to just sit back and wait for things to come to me. I'm a man of action. And so I decided I was going to seek out this hunger in my life. And so one day, I went to my father, and I said, Father, I want you to give me my inheritance. Give me what is due to me, so that I may go and search out this new life that waits for me. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but man, did that sting my dad. I didn't mean for it to come off as, you know, I wish you were dead, so give me what's mine. But it kind of sounded that way. I didn't mean to hurt him that much, but it just happened. But he loved me, or so I would find out. And so he agreed. He gave me what was mine. I sold off what I could, and off I went on this new journey, this new adventure to find that thing that was missing in my life. And you better believe I lived it up. I bought the finest of clothes. I ate the richest of foods. I drank the sweetest of drinks. I hobnobbed with, with the rich and the well-to-do of the towns. And while it was fun at first, that hunger inside me remained. So I just kept trying to fill it with anything and everything I could put my hands on. What do you know? Pretty soon, the money ran out. And, as luck would have it, about that time, a famine came across the land. And I found myself not only spiritually hungry, but physically hungry. I was starving. 
so hungry, in fact, that, that the pigs that I found myself working with, I just wanted their little pods. Just please give me that bit of sustenance. Whew. I shudder to think about it. What could I do? Where could I go? I went off on this great adventure to find a new life, and now I am stuck wallowing in my own stuff with the pigs. I could go home. I could either die or I could go home. So I decided to go home. I would apologize to my father. I would bear my soul to him. I would tell him that there's no way I could ever make it up to him. There's no way I could ever be his son again. But if he would just let me be his servant. Oh, please, just let me be your servant. So I made my way back home and I got close to our hometown, I got close to our home when off in the distance I saw my father. And I thought maybe all the hunger had gotten to my head because it looked like he was running. Men of his station do not run. But there he was running to me. When he got close enough, I fell to my knees I had this whole speech rehearsed in my head, and I started to say it. Oh, Father, I do not deserve to be your son. But before I could even continue, it was like a whirlwind was happening. A new robe, a ring, sandals on my feet. And when I finally came to, there was music playing. And there were people all around. It was a party party for me. My father was there standing next to me, celebrating. I couldn't believe it. And that hunger that I had, that hunger that I had been searching after for so long, well, started to disappear. As I realized that this hunger that I felt was, was not for some new kind of life, it was not for some rich way of living, but it was a hunger to know that I was loved. Not because of what I had done or not because of what I could do, but because I was me. And I was loved. So you ask me, what do I believe? Well, I believe that from love flows forgiveness. And forgiveness changes everything. To be forgiven by someone and to forgive yourself changes everything. 
Now that's what I believe, but you know who you should really ask? My dad. Ask him what he believes. So Father, what is it that you believe? Well, he says, you've heard the story. I'll add just a bit. The son who I loved. The son who I cared for. The son for whom I had hopes and dreams came to me one day and dashed them all. He wanted to take what was his. But by doing so, he was destroying every connection that he had to our family. He was basically wishing me dead and gone so that he could go be on his own. God, the pain of that moment. But I knew that even if I said no, he would find a way. And so I gave in. I released what was his and off he went. But God, I never forgot about my son. I prayed for him every morning and every night that God would keep him safe. And months went by until one day when I was walking the land, I looked up and I saw someone coming towards our home. He was weak and disheveled, he was a shadow of the man he used to be, but I knew it was my son, and I ran to him. I ran and I ran until I got to him. And he fell to his knees and he started to talk, but the only thing I heard was, Father. Father. My child had returned to me. Now I know I had a choice in that moment. I could punish him for the pain that he caused. I could turn my back on him just as he had turned his back on us, but I really, I really didn't have a choice. I scooped him up and I embraced him. You ask what I believe as the father? Well, I believe in the power of forgiveness. That my love never faded. And that when my son comes home, when my child returns, I will always forgive. A son who caused so much pain and heartache. A father who felt that pain. Are able to come back together. Lives that were shattered. A love that was shattered. It begins to come together. In an act of forgiveness. Not just in, in the words, but in the actions, in the celebration to come back together, to be together. 
Now, will their lives look just as they had before? No, of course not. It's not forgive, forget, and move on. But I dare say that in the power of forgiveness, they could come back together and be stronger together. To be reconciled together. To fill that hunger for love that allows forgiveness to flow freely. We know those pains, right? We too carry those wounds. Having been hurt by the ones that we love and having been the source of pain for those we love. We might could even just close our eyes right now and, and imagine the faces of those in our lives, those who have hurt us and those we have hurt. But as we, we picture their faces, as we imagine them near us, Will we allow the hurt and the pain to drive our actions? Or will we remember that love that we once shared? Will we remember that love? And will we seek after that love in a way that allows forgiveness to flow from it? That we might forgive ourselves that we might ask for forgiveness and that we might receive forgiveness from others. What will our stories tell the world about what we believe about forgiveness? Will our stories tell of the power of forgiveness? Will our stories tell that forgiveness changes everything? Or will our stories be like that third character in the story? The one we, we didn't get to today, but that older brother who stands outside the celebration Refusing to acknowledge, refusing to accept, holding on to his desire for fairness instead of love and forgiveness. What is it that our stories in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our wounds, in the midst of our heartache? Will we tell our story? And will we live our story in a way that shows the world because of Christ, because of my belief in Christ, 
I have known forgiveness. I will embrace forgiveness. I will seek after forgiveness. Because of Christ, that will be my story. What's your story? Let us pray. Holy Lord, our God, you know our pain. You know the ways our relationships have become broken. You know that hunger that resides within us. And so this day we pray that we would have the courage and the strength to allow forgiveness to reign. That we would begin to take those steps in love, to write a new story where we forgive ourselves and we forgive one another. Reminded that as forgiveness flows from love, celebrations occur, there is joy and jubilation as we come together, having been forgiven by you, and allowing that forgiveness to be a part of our story of faith. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.